0: You're listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn, where you'll find uplifting and practical advice for everyday living, creative inspiration for do-it-yourself projects, and recommendations for books and resources that will encourage you to embrace your life repurposed. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Welcome to episode number 33 of Life Repurposed. Today, I'm going to be talking about whether or not fear has replaced our love. This is something that God has really called out in my heart lately. It was something that I didn't even know how to give a a name to until I read a book by Dan White Jr. called Love Over Fear. And it made me really think about whether or not I'm motivated by fear in my own life. And it opened my eyes to something that had become a habit for me and a way of thinking and made me want to work on breaking it. And this is an attitude that came on gradually when I wasn't paying attention. And some of it came from my own upbringing and some from reading and observing and just living life. But I realized that I am motivated often by an attitude of fear. As I started to think about it, I realized that it was driving some of my thoughts and some of my actions and some of my responses. And so the challenge that I've had in my own life has been changing that perspective and that attitude and starting to work on it. So I want to read to you some clips out of um, some excerpts out of the book that Dan White wrote and then give you some of my thoughts. And then I would love to hear from you if you have some thoughts on it, too. So I encourage you to email me or contact me through a private message on social media as well. On page 20 of Love Over Fear, Dan White says, the raw experience of fearing a common enemy bands us together, and can energize us to action. In the early 1980s, a group of psychologists developed a way to study how fear influences our behavior. Their approach to understanding fear is using the terror management theory. These psychologists were able to determine that in general, when fear influences our decisions, we can be made to respond in wild ways. So I read that and I thought, nah, I'm not susceptible to that sort of manipulation. And so I kept reading because I I was really convinced that this is not describing me. So I was thinking, I'm not really a fearful person. I, I you know, I have some fears and I was kind of a protective mom with my kids growing up. But I didn't think about fear in terms of the messages that I receive on social media, the messages I receive from the news, the general tone of how we interact with other people in society. So I kept reading, and then he got to um, a line shortly after the one I just read you, and it said, um, in talking about the terror management theory and this group of psychologists, he says, they assembled a long list of fear-based code words such as hurt, danger, unsafe, peril, problematic, injure, sick, threat. And then they tested out these phrases on certain communication forums. And um, White says, these words elicited a dramatic response of action from people. He says, this language has become the constant drumbeat of American political speeches politicians play to our gut fears of each other. It isn't just politicians, it's actually the news, and like I said, it's become part of our conversation. So again, I didn't think this was true until I started to listen objectively. Just listen to what was going on around me. Listen to both sides of political campaigns, listen to different news channels, and you realize that it really is used as a tactic in communicating with us. White says that the report showed that positive language didn't elicit the same action. Therefore, politicians who run on positive language don't get the support. That's just my summarizing everything he said there. Um, So he says, not surprising, this psychological terror management report has become a formal guidebook for writing political speeches. Both Republicans and Democrats use this report as a framework for peppering their speech with fear-based code words. So what he's saying is they're experts at leveraging our fears. Now, fear is really good when it motivates us to flee imminent danger, but it isn't good when it motivates us to hate people. And what has opened my eyes and made me see is that I really have lived in fear. Fear that something will be taken away from me. Fear that my economic status could change. Uh, Fear that I will have to give up some of my rights, fear that something is going to cost me more money because it's out of my control and it was legislated, Um, fear that I could lose health insurance, Um, fear that I won't be able to have enough money for retirement. All of those things feed into fear. White said, when we are injured, dashed, and royally let down, we begin to fear those around us. We look for monsters." When we lack control over suffering in our lives, our fears direct us outward into suspicion rather than inward to confront the pain in our souls. So he's saying the more pain we have, the more we fear. We close down, we put up walls, we block out love because we can't take the risk of hurting and feeling our own pain. And sometimes we even manufacture hurts and fears that aren't there because this becomes our comfort cycle. So ultimately what it does is it shuts down relationships. Uh, White says this is quite arrogant, isn't it? He asked that question. He goes on to say we assume we know who someone is and what they are about from a snapshot from a distance. And this applies, I think, to more than just relationships. We have a natural scarcity mindset and we zero in on lack. And this is what White talks about in the book, how this emotional framework that says we don't have enough time, enough money, enough energy, enough education, enough protection, etc. is what we zero in on. So this is the scarcity mindset that a lot of books talk about but not always from a business per- or from a biblical perspective. They talk about it from a business perspective and how scarcity mindset affects that. And for me, I this book encouraged me to look at it from a spiritual perspective because it really talks about how Jesus lived and how his life was such a contrast to the religious leaders around him. Those Pharisees that were the religious leaders of his time lived in such a way that they were in fear that he was going to take away their power. And Jesus came and acted out of love, and yet they treated him like a criminal and crucified him because of fear that he would establish a kingdom that would overthrow theirs. So it's kind of ironic that when he came to love, that the very, um, the very people he came to bring a different type of life to were the ones that essentially murdered him out of their fear. So even when um, Jesus' life was on the line, he did not react from his own fear. And so even when there was this danger, knowing that he was going to die, he did not react out of fear. He still continued in love. So there's a lesson to be learned there. And it made me think about how my life needed to be repurposed in a way that my mindset would change so that I would react differently to the people around me. Let's consider what this has changed to me as I've made this realization and let's talk about how we can live repurposed essentially when we change our mindset because really that's what life repurposed is. It's about changing our mindset. So sometimes it's about looking at our difficulties in a different way and in this case it's looking at fear in a different way and really calling it out for what it is. There are clear boundaries between what is right and what's wrong, so declaring that something is wrong or saying that something is not biblical is not acting out of fear, and I want to be really clear about that. We can state truth, and we can point out that something is not biblical, and so if somebody turns that around, if you point out something and um, somebody says, ah, you're just reacting out of fear, you fear what's different, you fear uh, I don't know, you fear change. That's not true. We can actually have solid truth. I don't think there's a gray area. I think there is black and white, but it is the way we react to it that makes the difference. It's how we respond. So how I say, uh, something is wrong or how I declare that this is not something that's biblical is what makes the difference between love and fear. And I want to make that clear because there have been times, like I said, where someone has told me I didn't embrace an ideology that wasn't biblical simply because they said I was motivated by fear. And that's not true. Love does not mean I have to accept what is wrong. And it does not mean that um, I'm endorsing what is wrong. The difference is, though, in how I react and the type of interaction that I have with somebody who's different from me. So let's continue talking about how that's changed me. Uh, instead of reacting out of fear, it I want to leave room for a relationship. We have to be careful that we don't label every person who disagrees with us uh, in a certain way. We, we want to see through somebody's behavior to the human being that they are. So the flip side of what I've been talking about so far is that what has changed in me is not living as if those who are not godly are taking away my freedom and ruling the world, or even if they did try to take away my freedom. uh, Just knowing that God is still in control, knowing that my faith is real and that I can trust that God is in control even if there are some questions out there about what's going to happen if this person is a leader and what would happen in the world if this happened. I'm not living in such a way that I worry about those people taking something away from me as much as looking at it from more on the outside and looking at a bigger picture. White says, our transformation As beautiful and broken people has everything to do with tuning the dials of our eyes and ears to the way of love versus the way of fear. The language is so bright and direct that the power of this contrast can easily be lost on us. Let it sink in for a moment. If God is love and perfect love casts out fear, then fear is the opposite of everything that God is. The more I think about it, the more I realize that it doesn't matter to me if the wrong political party gets into power. My focus isn't on what people could do to me, but on what God has called me to live out and practice. So I still want to think about things in a way that is smart, and I want to think about facts, and I don't want to bury my head in the sand. But it's hard to live out love because the voice of fear is loud. White says, polarization has many faces, but it makes us see each other as monsters to fear, closing us down to each other, creating an us versus them mentality, forcing us to categorize ourselves in contrast. I've seen this polarization in the same way that author Dan White has talked about, and I've seen it in our churches. He talks about it in the book, not only in a political arena, so this is not at all a political podcast. This is about how we see other people, and he explains that in his church, he had a scenario. His was very similar to some things I've seen. So I'm gonna give you my observation. You can read the book to get his, but there are some lines that we teach our kids they can't cross when we're teaching them right from wrong. But one of the things that I've also seen happen is that in some churches, we teach them they can't cross any lines denominationally. So good, solid Christian churches might not be of the same flavor of worship or theology as we are. And we tend to draw those lines in such a way that we say things like we don't want this youth group to mix with the other group out of fear that the thinking of their kids will contaminate ours. And so we don't encourage our kids to fellowship, well, socialize, take away the churchy word of fellowship, just to socialize with people who are different kinds of Christians. And so um, sometimes we won't go to church with people who align differently. So we hope that everybody in our church has the same political party because we live in fear that they might contaminate our thinking or somehow change our view of the gospel. We also, the way we label people who are different with different terms that we use demonstrates our fear. And so I've seen this play out in church circles because we want to protect what is right and we want to teach our kids especially what is right and wrong. But then we also uh, really, we sweat the little stuff and we should only be worrying about the big stuff. So it tends to cause us to label people. And I think in my own life, it has caused me to start to think my view was superior and my way was best. And so when that pride comes in there and I start to act like a Pharisee, that is something that God has been working on me. Because I have seen that in my own heart, I've thought that my view is superior and my way is best. And I know that that is not true. And it's something that if I reinforce long enough, I begin to believe. So some of the ways that we label other people is they are sinners. They are evil It's us versus them. We notice differences, and we eventually can turn them from simple flavors of how we practice our Christianity to pure hatred. And White gives some examples of this in the book. Uh, I'll read a couple of them. The rest of them are on page 81 in um, his book, Love Over Fear. But these are some statements that he says we might make if we are living out of fear. Here's one. I thought you cared about people, but you didn't call me back. You see, there's an assumption that we're labeling this person. They didn't care because they didn't call me back. even, And we're assuming there was a reason behind it, and maybe something came up and they just couldn't. But once we make that assumption, it's really hard to go back from it and to think of them as having a good heart. Here's another one that he said is common. If you don't support free health care, you're supporting the oppression of the poor. So we label people based on one thing. Here's another one. If you don't vote for the Republican candidate, you are supporting the murder of the unborn. And here's one more. You either support a Democrat for president or you don't believe in women's rights. You see how we can make these blanket statements? He gives a bunch more in there. Um, they, I'm saying this because I've lived it out and I've heard them. I've said them myself. And sometimes I've been part of a group or a circle where things have been said where I should have said something and I didn't. And that's one of the things that I really regret is that if I have heard injustices spoken about somebody else, I needed to figure out a loving way to say something about it and I didn't and maybe it's because I had emotions all wrapped up in it and I don't know but I honestly think it's because of my own fear I think I've been afraid of what somebody might think of me if I stand up for justice if I stand up to say wait we shouldn't say that um, or we you know point out this is unkind or what's our motive here because it sounds kind of judgy if I have to be somebody who stands up, I'd love it if we could be in a place where, as Christians, we could um, mutually call out things that we notice that are motivated by fear rather than love. But that doesn't always happen. So the reason I'm including this is a Life Repurposed podcast is because I can hardly imagine what the world would be like if we were motivated by love. I, it's hard for me to even picture how it could possibly be if we lived in a way like Jesus lives. One of the things that I've heard in the past that um, I laughed along with and then later realized it wasn't okay is things like sitting in a Sunday school class where it was considered okay to refer to Democrats as "Democrats" and laughing and having kind of a little bit of fun with that. And it makes me sick to think that we we say and do these things and feel justified by that. And so I'm working on some changes in my own heart and not labeling other people. And I might be labeled a liberal if I stand up for human kindness. I might be labeled, you know, all, all sorts of things. But where do we go from here? Well, I'm not here to be on a soapbox. And I want to confess simply that I have not been loving, that I have lived out of fear, and that I want to make better choices. I want to change the way I see people. Loving someone does not mean I'm endorsing their sin or validating their choices. Love is just love. I, I'm i just acting out of that person's best interest. Jesus gave us examples. He ate with people who the religious leaders condemned, and he didn't validate their sin. He validated their humanness. He saw past their flaws, and he saw their needs, and that's who i That's who I want to emulate. I mean, that's our goal. We're called Christians. I want to emulate Jesus. Dan White in the book says that what helped him move from fear to love is showing curiosity and getting to know what someone else's point of view is without giving his own, just listening and taking it in and considering their viewpoint. Another one was asking questions and real questions, not the kind that sound like you're attacking them, but really like the help me understand, tell me a little bit more kind of questions. Talking but also being quiet and sometimes listening. He says seeing the suffering of people and showing compassion is part of changing a point of view. Another one is exploring and just having curiosity and interactions and really caring about the interests of the other person, even if their interests are polar opposites of our own. It's the polarization that he wants to get past, and that was his purpose for writing the book. It was to make people think. It is not written from one political perspective or another. It is completely written from love. So I'm working on doing these things in my life. I'm working on listening, exploring, trusting that God has control over the things that make me fear. I'm listening to campaign speeches and seeing where they play on my fears. And I'm working on letting go of some pride and releasing my need to be right. Because that is the one thing I would always stake my claim on, is arguing about what I was right about. And I'm letting go of that and really calling that out in myself. As we wrap up, I want to share with you a resource. It really is the book I've been talking about this entire episode because it made me think so much. Dan White Jr. wrote Love Over Fear. And he wrote it because he told his editor he wanted to irritate people who are both conservatives and progressives, to wake us up to see each other as humans. And this episode might irritate you, and I can be okay with that and still love you. From the back of the book, it says, Whether it's the news, social media, or well-intentioned friends, we're told daily to fear others. We fear strangers, neighbors, the other side of the aisle, even those who parent differently. And when we're confronted with something that frightens us, our brain sees only two options, attack or avoid. The book says, hear stories of those who changed hearts and minds through radical love, learn how to practice disarming compassion, and discover the disruptive power of showing affection for those we perceive as monsters. I invite you to watch for fear and see where it flares up in places you didn't notice it before, and then I invite you to work on replacing it with love. I'm a work in progress, so I invite you to be imperfect with me as I discover life repurposed by love. Thank you for tuning in and listening today. If it sounded like I had one foot on a soapbox today, I apologize because I really am approaching this with an attitude of caring and love and not lecturing and um, not being preachy. And so it's just to come alongside and say, hey, let's take a look at our life and see if we can be like Jesus. So I hope you will tune in next time. I have a couple of guest interviews coming up really soon. And I can't wait to share those episodes with you. So I hope you have a great week and I will see you next time. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at MichelleRayburn.com. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. I'd also love it if you would like, review, and share the information about this podcast with your friends. Thank you so much for listening.